listeners subscribers followers listeners everybody that supports us we appreciate y'all thank you for everybody that hopped on and joined us for the march madness 20 just let y'all know we're gonna have an nfl fantasy football league too where it's gonna be even some more money to gain from that so thank you again we appreciate it i'm joined by my brothers first we're gonna start off uh with cj we just gonna leave it at CJ for this episode. Oh, now my CJ money bags. Here we go. How you doing? <laughs> we doing good. We are doing good. Hey man, if you are gonna keep my intro for for all the other episodes, can't cut it off now. It's stuck to me. I'm I'm embracing. I'm CJ money bags, and uh, we bet we back for another episode, man. It's good to be back. CJ money bags. I'm joined by Miles, Mister Wholesome, Nick's Tape, Davenport, left-handed smooth operator. How you doing tonight? Doing good, bro. I'm gonna leave right, it at that. My I'm bad. Feeling, my I'm bad. Feeling good. I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. This, this is too, cool too cool for school. You feel me? You gotta play. <laughs> I just got the fresh cut. I always look good. Y'all girls know what it is. So shoot, I'm struggling. Yeah, that's why he got the wide angle tonight. And of course, we are joined <laughs> by Greg. Hot takes. Debate your mother. Nets over Knicks any day with the bitch mob gear on. Since near, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm great. I'm great. It's uh, it's a Nets world. It's a Giants world. And what can I say? What can I say? I feel I feel real good. I've had a great I've had a great week. We'll get into that. But now nah, I feel good, man. Um, so it's a, it's a it's been a big week for me. What you got going on this weekend? Well, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> We're going to talk about that off the air, and we'll talk about it next week's episode, and we'll fill y'all in on what that was about. But he about, he about to make some boss moves. Let's just say that. Yes. Some grown man boss moves. This is he's, about to join, he's about to join the gang. Well, three out of the four of the gang. Uh, we're going to start off, of course. It's a gala day. Adore Jack. I can't even, I don't even know what little you had it right. cute name. No, I had it right. Saying, I don't even know what you know. Greg had it's a holiday. I don't even know what you're gonna do with that. Adore Jackson. It's a adore. I don't know. It's, but, it's it would be too corny to mess around with that. It'd be too corny exactly. to do a bunch it's an adorable situation. You see, that's what I'm saying. Hey. The fact that he just said that on the podcast should get him kicked out of here. To be honest, 
Kenny yeah. Galladay signs with the Giants, four years, seventy-two million. Adoree Jackson signs, three years, thirty-nine million, sixteen million on that first year, and then twenty-seven over the next two. Are the Giants the NFC East favorites? I've seen a lot of the Giants fans on our page hype. They're saying eleven wins on the season, maybe ten wins. First mm-hmm. round, they're going to be a wild card team going into that second round, and then they'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. Giants fans just do they need to pump the brakes on this? You you know Greg, you start it off. You know you got hey, start it off. I'm gonna pull okay. up their schedule. Start it no. off, Greg. The answer to the question is no, they don't want to pump the brakes. This is all justified. Um, the Giants have gone out and addressed a lot of holes in free agency. We were on the podcast. Miles talking. Miles was talking about how the Giants didn't have the cap space to hand to, to add pieces like this, right? Give a Dory Jackson a $39 million deal. Give Kenny Galladay a $72 million deal, which honestly surprised me. Um, but apparently he got a serious offer from the Bears um, and the very comparable. So the Giants had to up their price and that's fine. Um, he wanted to be a Giant the whole time, apparently. Apparently he wanted to be a Giant since before he got here. But um, no, I felt good about the Giants last year. I thought they built something pretty, pretty special. I know six and 10 isn't nothing special about six and 10, but I've been talking about the Giants in a way where people have been look, listening to me and saying, yo, what are you talking about? Like Giants are six and 10. They're not good. They're, they're the same old Giants, right? Um, and I've been saying for the longest time, they built up a pretty solid defense. If you consider the pieces they had and what they did with that, with that defense last year and them being a middle of the pack defense with no major big name, that's really impressive. Um, you go out there and you add a Dory Jackson to that, that, that backfield. The strength of the Giants' defense was the backfield last year. It was the backfield last year. They did a great job. Their secondary confused people last year. And that's what allowed the pass rush to have any kind of success last year. Now you go out and you add the Giants. Any Giants fan knows we had a revolving door at the quarterback two spot, right? Now we're going to bring a Dory Jackson to stabilize the position, Right. That's incredible. And I and I feel real good about a guy like Isaac Yadam, who played a ton at the quarterback two last year as a backup. It's better as, with him being a backup as opposed to him starting. So the Giants have got a ton of depth in their backfield. They're going to address now now because they've done that because they've gotten Kenny Gaudet. They got Daniel Jones. We're going to get there because I have a lot to say about that. But this is why I said that Daniel Jones is going to be is going to have a big year three comparable to that of Josh Allen. I think when it's all said and done, we'll view him as a better football player. But that's still that's still a hot take right now. I get that. But what the reason why I made that statement in the first place is because I anticipated a big offseason from the Giants like this one where they got Daniel Jones playmakers. And guess what? They're not done. I don't think they're done. They got Rudolph, who apparently has a foot issue. Now that contract's up in the air. We'll see what the Giants do there. Um, that news just came out. We'll see what happens. But regardless, they got Kenny Gaudet, which is more important. Kenny Gaudet is the big X wide receiver that he needs to be able to throw the ball up to. He's going to make Daniel Jones' life easier. Kenny Gaudet will be open. Nine times out of ten, he's going to be open. He's that good. He's that good. He's been that good in Detroit. He's had some injury issues in the past. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That's, my, that's the only concern anybody should have. But as far as his production on the field, there's not many better wide receivers in the league than him. He's elite. He's elite. So when he's out there – um, he's phenomenal. He's a big touchdown target. It's going to really increase Daniel Jones' red zone efficiency and also his completion efficiency all over the field. He's going to be a much better quarterback because of it. You're only as good as the guys around you. That's the reality of it. Daniel Jones is going to take a big step forward this year. And while people people might say, hey, I, maybe he does get better, and, but I don't see him being as good as Josh Allen. Josh Allen was that great because all of his pieces stayed healthy. you got to think about everything that happened. So if the Giants can get that 
situation to replicate here and you get all these guys, if John Ross can give you three touchdowns this year, that's a big deal. If Kenny Galladay can give you, I think if he's healthy, he'll give you 10 to 11 touchdowns. I think it's a lot. He's just that good. So you get you get him out there. You're going to get Shepard on the inside, who's much better, graded much higher in the slot to kill on the inside too. And then you've got Evan Ingram, who, who's going to be much better this year without without pressure on him. Last year, he had a ton of pressure on him. He was the number one rider. He was viewed as the number one wide receiver for the Giants. Like, even though he's a tight end, he was the number one receiving option, which is a lot of pressure to put on this guy. And he didn't live up to it. That's fine. Some guys aren't number one. Some guys ain't built for that. That's cool. He'll have, he'll have a much better year being in a reduced role where he's not expected to carry the load offensively. And then you don't forget about Slayton, who's very talented. And I think he was always more of a wide receiver to it than a wide receiver one. So you have that slated in there. They have great pieces. And to add to that, with the 11th pick, the Giants are going to take the best player available. So let's say Kyle Pitts falls by some miracle. They're taking Kyle Pitts. If, let's say, Devontae Smith falls, they're taking Devontae Smith. They're going to take the best offensive player available. They may go They may go defense, and I'd be fine with that. They may go offensive line. I'd be fine with that. They've afforded themselves the flexibility to do whatever they want with the 11th pick. But I personally, for me, I want them to get Daniel Jones insurance. I want them to get him a wide receiver or a big-time tight end in case this Rudolph deal falls through. We'll see what happens. I want them to get them a big-time a big time player so that way Daniel Jones can take that next step in his career. I think he's having a huge year. And, yes, 11 wins is very feasible. I think they're the best. I thought they were the best team in the division last year, and I get why Cowboys fans have a gripe, but I, I definitely thought so. They went 2-0 against the Redskins, 2-0 against the Washington football team. Don't cancel me. And they went 1-1 against the Cowboys, right? So now that Cowboys team was missing Dak. I understand that. So if a Cowboys fan has a gripe against me for saying that, I get that. But are they going to be that much better? Is their defense going to be better than the Giants? No, I don't think so. I really don't. Th- I think the Giants have a top five secondary in football on paper right now, and based on the performance that they had last year, I think it's safe to say that if you add a player of Adoree Jackson's caliber to the team, they're going to be up there in terms of secondaries in the league. Their front their front line needs work, but they stopped the run. They stopped the run, and they can run the ball, and they're going to get Saquon back. This team's going to be a 10-win team. Anything less would be a disappointment. 10-win team at the least, wild card berth. <clears throat> I'm not saying they win a playoff game. Let's see what happens, but get to the playoffs. I think that's very feasible for them to do. I feel really good about them. It's, it's, it's scary hours in the Meadowlands. Real for real. CJ, 11 wins for the Giants? I, I think 11 wins might, might be pushing. That's a tall order to ask for coming off a of year three. But I will say this. I do think that, that you guys are going to have a successful season just, just based off of some, some of the points that you made that I agree with. You know, it's crazy to think that, like, I literally forgot about Saquon Barkley being in that backfield just because he got injured so early in the year last year. And we talked about it a, a few weeks ago um, on the podcast where – Saquon Barkley is asked to do too much and and they put a lot of pressure on him being able to make plays out of nothing. Adding a player of Kenny Galladay's caliber, who's proven he can be productive on the field when healthy, will take a lot of that pressure off and will open up the play action. Um, so I definitely think that the Giants are in a better position than most of the teams in, in the NFC East. Um, the Cowboys, the, the Cowboys are somebody that we're going to have to wait and see, you know, D- Dak's coming off a, a gruesome injury as, as, People uh, seem to forget, yeah, he's coming back, but, like, who knows if he's going to be able to make the same movements and, and uh, run the same way that he did in the past. But, you know, I'm excited for Daniel Jones. I know I, I was making some faces there when, when Greg was talking uh, about him being better than Josh Allen. I think that's, that's too early to say. He's got to get that uh, those fumble issues under control. 
But um, I, I want to see what he does with a, with a big name like Kenny Galladay. Um, because even with Slayton last year, they were making some big plays over the top, which, you know, led me to believe that, like, hey, Daniel Jones could be their definite quarterback of the future. And, and Slayton came into his own last year, too, and proved that he could play and, and definitely be in that number one role. But, yeah, he's obviously going to be the number two wide receiver now. Sterling Shepard's uh, production has, has decreased a little bit just due to injuries. But uh, it's going to be a prove-it year for Sterling Shepard. John Ross, this is definitely a prove-it year after being a bust on the Bengals the past few years. I disagree with you. Three touchdowns out of John Ross, I don't think that's uh, going to make him. You I'm, know, saying, I'm saying that's a win for the Giants. From a, not for him. That doesn't help him. You know, you know, it doesn't get you paid. Yeah, but what does three touchdowns over 16 games really do for the Giants? Oh, it's huge. For a guy you, took, you spent $1 million on. Right, I I don't no Giants fan. That, no, that's that's Giants true. Fan. I wasn't looking at it in terms of how right. how much they got him for. That's true. Right, that's value. That's three touchdowns over the top. Three big plays. That yeah. that's that could be the difference between the playoffs and not going to the playoffs in a good. You want to know the sad truth though? What he'll get hurt in training camp. You won't have him for the season. You see what he's doing? Which season? No, let's talk about this because no, the, I, I, pray, the I pray. I pray that he go ahead. On the post that Antonio posted with the with the Giants' new offensive weapons listed, and he asked he asked the what did I say? You you said that John you said John Ross doesn't count and that Ingram doesn't count either, and you're I only doing that because that's some sour. I said John Ross stuff. is irrelevant because he can't stay healthy. So you'll you don't, you don't know what's no, gonna happen. It's this okay. Year. It's I do. Just because he, he was on my team for three years. No, just because now nah, just because he wasn't healthy on the Bengals don't mean he's not gonna be healthy here. You don't know what the situation is. We might have better doctors than you guys. All right, the reality is the Bengals Man, are not the Bengals you don't are not start a, to, the top tier franchise, my guy. It ain't it ain't about doctors. It's about he's small, he's frail, he don't lift, and he just thinks he can go out there and run. That's that's, that's his that's problem. He's gonna pull not. something in training camp, and you will see, man. He's gonna be out four games. You're gonna be like, what do we sign John Ross for? But hey, in your defense, like you said, you got him for dirt cheap. If he doesn't work out, you just kick him to the door. And I'll be looking forward to that conversation at the end of the season when uh, you guys go ahead you, and come to the you, door. Will you? Man, because was, if the listen. Giants draft Jalen Waddle, uh, if the Giants draft Jalen Waddle as insurance, who? Guess who's not gonna care? Any Giants fan on earth. If John that's what Ross I'm saying. If you out. go ahead and kick him to the door, it doesn't matter. Like you got him for one million dollars, you got him for dirt cheap. But at the end of the day, hey, I listen. Calm, calm that down. I was over here giving you props, and you come, come and attack me about John Ross. It ain't like we talking about OBJ or somebody like that. We talking about John Ross. Who I'm saying done a you damn don't thing know. in the league since he's been in the league. John, look, yes, history says that John Ross will get hurt, but you don't know that That's for all, sure. You do not know that for sure. And it, listen, and it's, you know what? You know what? The was more blasphemous. Forget John Ross. He was worth a million dollars on this roster. You're talking about Evan Ingram like he's some scrub. And that's disrespect. Saying, you know, <laughs> Evan Ingram can play football, okay? Evan Ingram we gonna, some good. We're going to get to Evan Ingram. That's all. We're going to get to Evan Ingram. We're going to get to Evan Ingram. And you'll be here giving Miles a headache while he's combing his ways. <laughs> no, but Miles, I, I, hold on, hold on. I'm not here. Miles worried about the Jets, what they going to do. He's a whole different mess to worry Stephen about. Stephen A. Stephen A, about. can I talk? Stephen A, can I talk? I'll be Max Kellerman right now. What I, what I, if you go back to that, that Instagram post and you look at my comment, please go do that. I did not say. The words did not come out of my mouth that said John Ross will not be healthy this year. I said John Ross is irrelevant. He can't stay healthy. Going off of his pet. I'm not wishing harm on the brother. I, I hope he stays healthy. Do I think he's going to be super productive? No, because even if he does stay healthy, the games that he was healthy uh, with the Bengals last year and the year before, go look at the amount of drops he had. 
wide open catches, drops. And we talked about that. You agreed with me last week when we spoke. Yeah, he drops the ball a lot. I did hear about that. I did hear about that. Go back and look at some of the tape. John Ross <laughs> is not someone that is going to make those big-time catches. But let's get to Evan Ingram. Evan let's Ingram, listen. Like these guys are threats is exactly what you said. John Ross is not a threat. Yeah, he's he not a threat. Yeah, he no, he's if not. He's healthy, he speed. Even, even if he – listen, even if he's John Ross never catches a ball, he's a threat. You want to know why? Because the Giants never have not had a guy in the last – 10, I, 10 years, it's been a long time since they had a fast receiver where you can just blow the top of a defense and you have to respect it. Does if that John matter Ross if he's going to drop John it? Ross gets, yes, because he's stretching the field. So that means that on a dig route, Sterling Shepard's open underneath because guess what? The defense has to respect it. They're not going to – guess what? Guess what the, the DB's not going to do? And you know this. They're not going to see John Ross run right past him and go, oh, that's John Ross. He sucks. <laughs> he's not going to catch the ball. Or they're going to go, oh, <laughs> Let's go chase him. I'm not even. He not might even catch that, the ball that is fact. And we're gonna get torn up in film. That's what's gonna happen. So off the threat of his speed alone, he makes the Giants a better team. He actually has value, even without catching a ball. But I promise you one thing: he's he gonna catch the footballs this year. I promise you that. I hope so. Wow. And, and 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 Evan Ingram, man, like he had a lot of. Listen, I like the point that you made about him being the number one wide receiver last year and, and getting a lot of targets. And maybe that was too much for him to take on. He wasn't used to getting all the balls thrown that way. I hope. I hope for your sake because you think very highly of him, and I, and I hope he's he's been in no you do he's been in the league for for a few <laughs> years now, and this is going to be his prove it year as well. So I hope he it pays off, and I hope you know with Kyle Rudolph there maybe it takes off some additional pressure in the red zone for him where he he's not you know looking for all these targets. But when the light is shined on him and his number is called upon, I hope that he catches some balls for you guys. I don't transitioning. Think to the other locker room in the Meadowlands, the Jets. Chris predicted this. He said any wide receiver going there obviously is of the belief that Sam Darnold is going to be the quarterback. He's the quarterback of the future. Corey Davis already came out and said, I'm coming in with the understanding that Sam is the guy. That doesn't scare me away at all. I've seen Sam do great things. Now, I don't know if he has glasses, because he said he's seen Sam do great things. I don't know about great things, but Mops, our Jets aficionado on the show, how are you feeling about your Jets in the other locker room? Are you guys close to maybe, I don't want to gas y'all up, maybe eight to nine wins this season? Possibly. It's just we can't go forward with Sam. That's the only thing. We're not going to go forward with Sam. That was just – he's on the spot. What else are you going to say? The guy's still being paid by the Jets. He's on the roster. That's how I looked at it. I mean, there wasn't much else that he could have said that would have made this not a hot topic. Like, if he said, like, oh, I don't know who's going to throw me the ball, now it's, people start to speculate, all right, maybe they're going with Zach Wilson. But then, of course, he's – showing love to Sam Darnold. And now it's like, oh, is, are, are the Jets going to move forward? Are they thinking of trading down? It's like, no, I don't think they're thinking of trading down because one, that contract is up in a year. Two, he hasn't shown enough to deserve a second contract from the Jets. So what are we giving him one more year to prove to him, prove to us that we need to pay him over a hundred million dollars, which, pretty much is the going rate for a quarterback in the league if you're not named Cam Newton. So I think that 
I mean, Corey Davis, they definitely coached him up. I want to say if he was asked about Sam Darnold, because <laughs> I don't think that his future is going to be here by the time May comes. I think he's going to be on another team. I think they're going to move forward with either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. Either one. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. So it just resets the, the rookie contract again. That's the main thing. That's why Joe Douglas is doing all these deals, these one, two-year deals that open up cap cap room for that second or third year of that rookie contract with that quarterback where you go in, kind of how the, the Bills did with Josh Allen this past year. So I'm looking at it that way. I'm not overreacting to what he said. I mean, of course, people are going to take it and run with it. It's New York, and this is the hottest topic as far as the Jets go, is who's going to be the quarterback in 2021. But I don't think that he's catching any passes from Sam Darnold anytime soon. Maybe maybe when he's 34 and Sam's over in Chicago or Carolina or wherever he's at, but he's not catching any in New York. Well, I think it's safe to say um, both New York teams. Well, well, go ahead, Greg. I'll let I gotta you. Say, I got to say this. This is really important. So Sam, so Sam Darnold is – Jets fans want him out, up out of there, and I know he hasn't played well, and I understand that. I don't I want him out of there. Jets fans, the majority do. The majority do. I'm not saying you do, Miles. I, I get where you're coming from. I just you're just saying what you think they're going to do because I agree with you. I think the Jets are going to do the same thing. But let me ask you if you agree with this: Do you think the Jets even set him up for for, for success in the first place? Did they oh, get that's never been a doubt. Receiver? Huh? That's never that's never been a doubt. The best receiver he's had was Robbie Anderson, and they so let him if, walk for right. pennies on the dollar. So right. So what the Giants are doing for Daniel Jones now, investing in him and investing weapons, giving him a chance to win right now, right? Because that's what the Giants are doing. You la- you laughing? It's, 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 the proof's in the pudding. That's what the Giants are doing, right? Are the are did the Jets? Are you sure they'll even do that for the next guy? Because they didn't do it for Sam Darnold. How are we know oh, this is a new this is a new guy that's drafting and building the team this is not if it was McCagnum then I'd have no hope for this team because he was just he threw money at people overpaid a lot of people and it got us to where we are now he I mean drafted Sam Darnold and then didn't surround him with any pieces any receiving help the best find he had as a GM was Robbie Anderson undrafted free agent let him walk. at a temple and they let him walk that was the most frustrating thing about last offseason is we have a guy who, if we get Sam some blocking, he can get the ball. He showed that Robbie, he can take the top off the defense. And what did he do in Carolina? He had a, a breakout season. Probably a better place for him to go. So I'm happy for him, but I wish he was still a Jet. But at the same time, the GM before this guy wasn't setting this team up for success. He was trying to, oh, we need to win right now. So let me pay C.J. Mosley. $20 million more than what he would have gotten from the Ravens or just making dumb moves like that. So I think that as far as Joe Douglas goes, I, I like the way he's approaching it. He's, he's building, paying youthful guys who maybe didn't reach their potential where they were at the first time at where they were at the beginning, like Corey Davis, he was a top five pick, but he basically had a contract year where he blew up and, now we're taking a chance on him and betting on that he's getting better. Same with Carl Lawson. He had a good rookie year and then was up and down the, the last two years, but he has potential too. 
if you're looking at scheme fits, I think all these guys are good scheme fits in this, you'd like to say Kyle Shanahan offense that they're going to run and the Robert Sala defense that we're going to run too. So I think that Sam was set up for failure. There's no doubt in that, but I think that the next QB is going to be in a better spot, especially getting Jamal Adams out of there and getting a couple first round picks for him, which if they were to go and do that again, we're not getting two first round picks for him because who's trading two first round picks for a safety that doesn't impact passing anything. It was dumb as a, it was a win now move by the Seahawks and it backfired. So now they're in a, a bad position, but good GMs take advantage of teams like that. So I think that we're in a better spot than we were before. Well, both teams are in a better spot than they were before, but we know they're not really in that conversation to win a Super Bowl, though. But it's great. They're in a better position. Greg, you can raise your eyebrows all y'all want. Yeah, at least not, two seasons away not, from that. I'm not saying I'm not saying <laughs> that the Giants are in a position to win a Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not foolish. What I am okay. what I am saying, and I'm gonna leave you with this, is that the Giants have made moves to be better right now and make a make a, and be a playoff team. I think right now as currently they're a playoff team. I think in a year. After another year of moves, you're looking at a team that could win a Super Bowl. Just wait. Just right. wait. It isn't two years. That's, that's two years. That's my that's my so forecast. Positive. Another year. Another year. Another year of moves. The positive with is what you're looking at. The positive with the Giants over the Jets. The Giants are in a week behind division. The Jets still got to worry about the Bills and the Patriots possibly being better. We still have yet to see all the money they threw. We've seen that people. Teams throw money at situations, at players, and you try to bring it all together and it doesn't end up playing well. So Patriots still might not, you know, end up getting back to that 10-11 win type season. But you guys have definitely, definitely an easier, <laughs> easier division with the Cowboys who have a bunch of question marks. Washington football team still trying to figure out the actual football name. And we don't even need to bring up the Philadelphia Eagles transitioning March madness has been exactly that madness a lot of brackets are jacked up a lot of brackets are different a lot of teams you could have not predicted to win you got number 15 or Robert still in there number six USC number seven Oregon number eight Loyola Chicago number 11 UCLA number 11 Syracuse Who's been the biggest surprise or the biggest upset in y'all eyes so far in this tournament? I think that biggest surprise, even though it shouldn't be, because whenever Sister Jean comes to the tournament, Loyola Chicago somehow finds a way to go on runs. But they, they've they been the biggest surprise because they're an eight seed. Honestly, they shouldn't have been put in that same bracket as Illinois because Clearly, they're better than what people gave them credit for. They blew out Drexel the first game, and then they blew out Illinois, which I think a lot of brackets had Illinois running the table and winning the whole thing, which that messed up my bracket. I had Illinois winning the, the whole thing. So shout out to Loyola Chicago for taking me out of the running for the money. But <laughs> they definitely look like they can make some noise. They can make another Final Four appearance. And then... I know you didn't say this, but one of the teams that I'm not shocked that lost was Virginia. Like they're kind of this team that's just overrated when it comes to March Madness. Their offense 
year in and year out is awful. They win on defense, and teams that score, they're always going to beat them. Like, it's Virginia can never outscore a team. They're one of those teams that they have to beat you defensively. So I wasn't shocked that they lost. I think I took them in my bracket to lose, but I know a lot of teams expected a little more out of Virginia. I think the top 25 team won the championship last year. You'd think that they'd at least make it to the Sweet 16, but we got to say goodbye to Virginia. Which is no problem. CJ, who's been your biggest surprise or who has the best chance out of these teams to advance to that Elite Eight? I, I had loyal Chicago, um, and I, it's funny because I had uh, I was thinking about Sister Jean too because two years ago I know the tournament got canceled last year, but but two years ago they went on a similar run like this as well. And and the thing when you look at them is they just play hard and they play together, right? They're they're a scrappy team. They they feed off of the emotion of their bench. You you look at the the Instagram posts and, and the highlights of you know them doing that uh what's that dance called the Stupid dance that Takashi does, where you swing your leg in front of it and go back and forth. But uh, they just they just go ahead and, and play hard, and and they have some uh, good ball movement. But um, the other team that I was pretty shocked about was Oral Roberts. Right, didn't hear you know much about them throughout the season. Come up big against Ohio State, and then you know people probably thought that was a fluke game. Come back, you know, a few nights later, do the th- same thing against Florida. Um, and the crazy thing was, you know, in the first quarter, you know, they were down. Um, you know, Florida had had the lead for for a good amount of time, but at the same time, they never let the the lead get too far out of hand. Where it's like, hey, we can't battle back, you know. And that that's important, especially in a tournament like this when it's win or go home. You got to make sure that lead that when when you're playing against another team like that, if you're down, you got to make sure it's manageable. You can't get down by 15 and expect to try to come back from that. It's just it's just too much. You get defeated. You know, there's not enough time and things like that. But, like, again, these, these guys, if you watch their their highlights, you know, they're flying all over the place. They were breaking presses, good ball movement. And you could tell, like, these kids can ball. They, they may go to a smaller school where they don't get a lot of credit. You don't hear about them throughout the year. But at the same time, what they, what they have that a lot of teams probably don't have is that chemistry and that bond. These people are, are probably ten times more closer with each other than the big schools like, Alabama and things like that because they do everything together they their whole season is built on hey can we make a run in March Madness a lot of the big schools they they're probably thinking too far down the road or whatever hey let's get to the final four they're just trying to get in the dance and trying to make some noise and that's why that bench is so effective and, and they feed off the energy but um yeah man their their scrappiness from the from Oral Roberts and uh just the the way that they play together and, and the ball movement that they had um, is what really impressed me about Florida because I, I was one of the people like, all right, they beat Ohio State. Watched watched the some of the highlights and I'm like, all right, they played good. Like that was that got my attention to watch the Florida game. And then you watch the Florida game, and you're like, okay, these brothers can really ball. Like <laughs> they're taking it to them. And hey, I I think they can get into the Elite Eight, but uh, there's still some good teams in the mix, man. I don't I don't think anybody's beating Gonzaga. I, they they blew uh who they blow out on Saturday night. Like blew them boys, <laughs> bro. It was they was up was forty Oklahoma, at one point. Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma. Yeah, it was Oklahoma. It was, yeah, it was awful. But they they were balling. I after watching that, I don't th- I don't think anyone is being Gonzaga. Greg, I mean, I know you probably got your own team, but one team that it seems like every year 
gives teams trouble. Syracuse, Jokers really don't know how to play against that 2-3 zone. To get to that point in college, something that I think we all had learned here growing up, basics of how to break a 2-3 zone, teams still continually struggle with the 2-3 zone. And Syracuse has been shooting at a high clip behind the arc also. But who is your biggest surprise? Who's moving, you think, possibly into that elite eight of the Cinderella teams that's left? I was in I the whole time you guys were talking, I was thinking about Syracuse. I, I was I, I, just because of how annoyed I am at the fact that these guys don't know how to beat a two three two three zone. That's what it annoys me. It's L, it's basketball at elementary, um, and it's crazy that the guys don't realize the ball's touch the middle of the floor and touch, get the ball to the opposite end, opposite side. Like that's what you what you want to do against two three zone, and they they don't. Nobody was executing that against them, and then also Buddy uh, Beheim has been shooting the the. The leather off the basketball, right? So it's it's interesting how that worked out. My my biggest surprise though wasn't even so much about the team. I, I've actually been pretty irritated with the way that this whole this whole tournament played out because they've got the seating so wrong. The committee and it's it's not all their fault. It's COVID. Not every team played the same amount of games. There's a lot that goes into that, but the seating is so far off. Or Roberts getting Ohio State on that first game, that wasn't that's not a Cinderella story. Or Roberts was good all year. Okay, they were they were killing. They were doing well all year. They played a lot more. They played games. They played. They, they probably haven't played as many games as, as Ohio State, and they're not as marquee. But these guys didn't get to watch them as much. They just threw in a bracket against Ohio State, and it, brought, it destroyed the brackets. Like it just destroyed everything. So from that perspective, when you talk about college basketball and March Madness, this is all about people betting. Right. Like people bet on this stuff. People try to make these brackets. They have fun with it. But a lot of guys put serious money on it. So when the committee gets these these uh, brackets wrong and they get the seating wrong, there's a lot of there's a lot of consequences, a lot of uh, divorces happening right now. There's a lot of foreclosures, a lot of, you know, foreclosures signs on homes right now. There's a lot going wrong with people's lives. And I'm not saying that the committee gets deserves all the blame for that. Listen, don't be a betting addict. But betting is huge right now. It's, it's huge in American culture. Always has been. And that's a big deal. That's the biggest surprise of the tournament is how wrong they got the seating, like how wrong it is. It is actually crazy when you think about it. It's it's or Roberts is a, one example of it. Loyola is always tough. Um, they're always pretty tough. They they have a track record of doing this, right? So I'm not really surprised. I don't even consider them a Cinderella story anymore. Um, but yeah, you're seeing the effects of a shortened COVID season and how it plays out on every single team. UNC. All these guys, right? It, it, it matters. It matters the, the preparation you get before the season, especially when you're talking about dealing with some kids. It matters. And you're seeing it play off now because a lot of these teams are prepared. It, these are the smaller name schools that are getting in. Arkansas getting getting some run. Like what? Like this is this isn't the norm. So these teams should enjoy it. <laughs> yup, as you said, where the money resides, where the money resides. Call one eight hundred gambling if you have a problem gambling. Mm. If you out here, your house getting foreclosed on. You get a divorce, you really might have to call 1-800-GAMBLING like ASAP and get some therapy because that's not, especially March Madness. That's one thing you, I'm sorry. I like it. I think it's cool to gamble and all that. You make some money. But one thing, March Madness is not the thing that you should be putting big money on, in my opinion. I know Miles does sports betting and he big time. He Big time. He got AirPods and all that from sports betting. So he made money, money. <laughs> so I don't knock it. But if you're not really about it and know your stuff, don't do it. 
it, it's only gonna end up bad for you unless you got deep pockets. What's that Mary Drake song, right? Transitioning cat or facts. First one, Draymond Green came out and said, I'm the best defender in the yeah. league. In the, he's at, in the league? He's at, he's at no, he said he said ever. He said all time. time. Yeah, I, know I, I didn't get to finish that, it. I didn't get to finish it. He said, cat, I know, he we, said know cat. Cool. we know the quote. We know the quote. Read it for the listeners, man. Go ahead. Read it for the listeners. He said he thinks he's the best NBA defender to ever play the game of basketball. He thinks. So he, I guess that gives room for maybe you could change his mind. I think we're all on the same page that he is obviously not the best defender to ever play the game of basketball. Is he at least top five? That's hard because there's so many good defenders that have come before him. I mean, I'm thinking about present day guys. Is he a better defender than Ben Simmons right now? I don't think right now. No, but, but, but here's uh, so Okay. 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 Ben, so ben not, Simmons is on his his p's and q's when it comes to defense. Well, because Ben Simmons can't do anything else on the basketball court. So that's play. what I'm saying. All you got to do is one <laughs> thing well. All you got to do is one thing well to be an NBA player. That's it. You got to hone in on that one thing, and that's that's Ben Simmons' bread and butter is his defense. Hold on, hold on. I, I was joking about the Ben Simmons thing. I'm just joking. I was for Nova. Um, Ben Simmons. Nah, actually, I ain't you know, joking. <laughs> you see, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Ben Simmons slander going on right now. I think he's actually look. We'll, we'll get. Let's let's not make this about Ben Simmons. All right, but Draymond Green, is he a top five defender of all time? That is very hard because you got to think about the top five. You got to be able to compile a list of five guys because there's Tony Allen, there's Gary Payton, who was a really good defender. Dennis um, Rodman. Dennis Rodman was a really was a great defender. Uh, there's a long list. There's a long list we can go down. I, I think Anthony Davis, you know, if you factor in, it's the health. But if he was on the court, Often, if he could stay healthy, he'd be considered a generational defensive player. I think he still is a generational defensive player when he's on the court. I think he changes games um because he can do it in the perimeter and he can do it inside. Um, there's that too. So when you factor that in, I'm gonna say no. But uh, Draymond definitely has a place in that conversation as far as like being one of the top ten. It's hard. It's hard because you know why defense isn't sexy, and so we don't think about defense in that way. Okay, and and. and it's hard to compile a list of 10 guys at all time. I'd have to really think about this. Think about the top 10 defenders of all time and be like, all right, where's Draymond stack up against this guy? But I will say this, Draymond is an incredible defender. He, he has every right to think that. I, go ahead, because he, he guards every position. He can switch. He can guard you in man. He can guard you in help. He understands team rotations, defense. He understands, he understands how to play defense in every single way you need to understand how to play defense to be a, considered a great defender. So I'm cool with it. I'm cool with the confidence. I've got a problem with that, believe it or not. Um, he does it in every single way. And if you ask me, he's a better defender than Rudy Gobert, who's one defensive player of the year. He's a better defender than Giannis, who's one defensive player of the year. He's a way better defensive player than Giannis, actually. Yes, you don't is, get, you don't, see, that's the is thing. he better than Kawhi? Is he better? That's a good question, Miles. I like that. That's a really good question. But hold on, let me just go on. Let me, let me finish my rant. You don't get to be considered a great defender because you're tall and you reach up and can block some shots, okay? I saw what Rudy Gobert said. I don't know if you always saw the quotes. Rudy Gobert and uh, Ben exchanged some words in the media about what it means to be Defensive Player of the Year. And basically what Ben said is what we say. What we say on the podcast is that you have to be able to do all of it. Defend every single position and change the game that way. Also be able to block some shots too. And Rudy said, well, it's more about defensive impact and being able to block, you know, he didn't say mention block shots specifically because he didn't want to degrade himself. But he was like, the way it's all about my impact on the game. 
me blocking shots is how I can turn the game upside down. And while that's 100% true, it doesn't make you more viable to your team defensively. Lou Dort is more viable defensively to his team than Rudy Gobert is because he can he can guard one through four. He guards more positions. Rudy Gobert cleans up at the back on the back end of the defense. Same with with, with Giannis. That don't make you a great defender, in my opinion. It's a battle of philosophies. But um, if you ask me about Kawhi versus Draymond, that's really hard. I'm gonna say Draymond though. Because Kawhi, what happens with guys, if you notice with Kawhi, and every and historically in the NBA, you can look at this. When guys hit their late 20s, their defense tails off. Especially when guys start to get an offensive package like Kawhi has. Kawhi getting has to go score near their end. He playing with pandemic P. So he has, you know, when, when you're relying on that and you have to you have to carry your load for your team, you have to be able to, to score points. And so I think that, that your your defensive game suffers because you're putting a lot of effort into scoring points. And that's not what Kawhi wants to do. Guess what? I, I didn't talk. We talked about this with Kawhi. I'll say it again. Kawhi never had to carry that kind of load. Kawhi's not Braun. Kawhi's not in the same stratosphere as guys like Braun or Kobe. He's not. He doesn't belong in that stratosphere because he's never had to do it to that level. He's always been able to rely on great team defense, on great, great uh, with other great players like the Spurs and the Raptors. So, yeah, Draymond wins, on the, wins outright there. Yeah, I convinced myself as I spoke to you. Just saying. Transition. Next one. <clears throat> Anthony Edwards can make up ground for rookie of the year with Lonzo, with LaMelo being out for the rest of the season. I'm so happy. Cap or facts? I'm so happy we're That's talking about facts. This. I mean, it's only facts because they'll, they'll hold it against him that he didn't play a full season. Miles yeah, I, think they would, I, think the com- I think the committee would do that too. They love to do, not saying it's right, but they okay. factor in a lot of times. They factor in, hey, he only paid 41 games. And Anthony Edwards played 67 games. And they might, they might, depending on how Anthony Edwards finishes the season out, he's been on a tear lately. Since since the All-Star break, he's averaging around 28 points per game. If he can keep that up, I think he can make up ground, but I still wouldn't pick him as the rookie of the year. But I think the committee might, though. They need to start winning games. That's the main thing. Like, if they're doing all this and they're not winning any games, then what – yeah, no. I don't. I don't see the point in giving Yo, it to him. How the Rockies go on a twenty-game losing streak and Minnesota still is the worst record? They've been that bad. Yo. They're not a good team. Yo, so we're we're attacking this from a very practical lens. That's cool. It's for being practical. We know NBA writers are stupid, and they're probably going to do this. And they're going to give Anthony Edwards the rookie of the year because he's played more games. Simply off that, and he scores twenty points. Whoop de do. Cool. The better player by a substantial margin is LaMelo Ball. And the more impactful player in terms of who impacts winning more is LaMelo Ball substantially. I think off his work alone, he should be rookie of the year. He don't have to play another game. He's already cemented. He's easily the most fun rookie to watch that we've seen since Luka was a lot of fun to watch too. But we've seen in in a while. He's a great, great, he's a great young talent. And I think he's more and more talented than Anthony Edwards in terms of how the way he impacts the game. He can impact the game in more than one way, and the Edwards will make guys around him better. But, yes, from a practical standpoint, Miles, Tone, I'm, CJ, well, you're you going to chime in in a second, too, of course. But, like, I, 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 I see them doing this, and it really irritates me that they're going to do that because LaMelo's been nothing short of incredible, and he's turned that franchise around. And Anthony Edwards sure has not done that. 
He is not single-handedly. Sing, single-handedly. Hey, I agree with everything you said. I agree with everything Tone said. I think we're all on the same page in terms of who should get it. But if we're if we're thinking about it from a practical lens and, and who's going to get it, you know what the committee's going to do. It makes a lot of sense, especially if Anthony Edwards keeps this up for the remainder of the season. He's going to play significantly more games than Lamelo Ball, and he's going to be viewed as the more exciting player, right? The person that's posterizing everybody game after the game, averaging 28 points and whatnot. I had this argument with somebody else on uh, Instagram the other day when when we were posting about certain stuff. Um, somebody had put on their story. He said, uh, give Anthony Edwards rookie of the year already. While LaMelo was still playing. You know how disrespectful that is? Oh, we got to talk about the donkey today. I'm not trying to steal nobody's bits. Shout out to Power, one, Power uh, 105, <laughs> the Breakfast Club. The donkey today is D'Angelo Russell. I love D'Lo. You ain't see what he tweeted after uh, he, tweet, he tweeted. He's bitter. I don't like that, bro. That's some booty, yo. D'Lo he tweeted that it should be for our listeners. He tweeted that the rookie of the year should be Anthony Edwards, and this was before Lamelo got injured. Yeah, that's that's wild. Is, 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 is receipt beforehand, or is it? I believe, it, I believe right it was, after I thought he put a yawning emoji. I thought it was before. Was it before? Was it after? You're right. It was right after the injury came out. It, right after the news came out, it was the timing of it that got people upset. It, you have you're more than welcome to campaign for your teammate, but it, Lamelo got hurt, and and if anyone should understand how serious injuries are, is a fellow athlete in the same league as you who's know, injured like, right now himself. Who's injured right now? Right, like. Injuries mess up people's careers, mess with your money, man. You over here camp, take you take that opportunity to campaign for your guy to win rookie of the year. You know what this is? He has something against the ball family because Lonzo got him up out of LA. That's what happened. That's why he's really pissed. And it's it's petty, it's unnecessary. Deal's a good player in this league. Like it's you already you already stamped. You don't need to be doing that kind of petty stuff, bro. It's unnecessary. So don't you know, don't you the day, bro. Uh, that's must be us. You know, we're still on bits and everything. Next one, Kappa Facts. Antonio Brown should return to the Bucks or try to go elsewhere. Cap of facts. I want to see him go elsewhere. Honestly, if he want to, if he wants to win, then he could take that route and just go back to the Bucks. But I feel like he's they're not using him how his skill set needs to be used. Like I don't, I'm not saying like pepper him with targets, but he could do way more than he was allowed to do on the Bucks. Like he didn't. He had a – I don't want to say minimal impact on the Bucks since they got him, but that was not – yeah, that was not what I'm used to seeing from there. Antonio Brown. Yeah, there's too many people. So there's a lot of teams that could use uh, a number one because I still think that he can be that type of player. So hopefully he signs somewhere else. He's not going to get that number one money anymore, but maybe sign a one-year deal somewhere, you know, regain your status in the league and then go from there. But going back to the Bucks is just chasing you're just ring chasing at this point. Yeah, Russell hey. Wilson is already Russell Wilson is already lobbying for the Seahawks to sign Antonio Brown. Did you do you guys like the, I don't know about you guys. Maybe this is just me. And I'm gonna take this conversation somewhere else. I think y'all know where I might go with it. But I don't like how the media painted the narrative that it was Tom Brady taking Antonio, the troubled child, Antonio Brown into his home and letting him sleep in, in his home so he doesn't stay getting in trouble. He had to get permission from Bruce Arians and say, hey, look, if I let him stay in my house and I, we, we, we have him under surveillance, can we bring him on to, can we bring him in? That whole narrative made me super uncomfortable. The whole, the, the whole, I, I mean, we always get here, the whole white savior narrative. I did not like it at all. 
And so for that reason alone, I want Antonio to go. But also for what Miles said, from a football, from an exodus, no Stanford uh, standpoint, yo, he's going to have more left in the tank than that. They barely throw him the ball. Like, he, he wasn't even that part of it. He wasn't an, an integral part of their offense. They could have won the championship without him. They didn't need him. It was just adding to an embarrassment of riches. He can go somewhere else, go get more targets. But, you know, on another note, right, from a, like, we, we do we do everything. We don't just do sports here. Let's talk about the narratives. I did not like the white savior narrative that Tom Brady, that, that people hoisted on Tom Brady because he took him into his home and watched over him. Like, what? And so it's a grown-ass man. He's a grown man. Like, what are we talking about right now? Like, look, take, you, you're able to take care of yourself, take care of your business and not get in trouble. Antonio played for years in, in Pittsburgh and didn't get in trouble. Okay. He had his, he started getting in trouble after things started unraveling in Pittsburgh. All right. The guy's a functional adult. He can go somewhere else. He can ha- take care of himself. Like, like, come on now. Like, what are we talking about? I don't know. Is it just me? Or did anyone else feel this way when this all kind of happened in real time? Because I really was uncomfortable with it. I thought it was weird. It was weird, definitely for sure. But it was weird, yo. They did. I mean, uh, it's nothing new. They did that when he came to New England for those what couple of games. It was he was going to be staying with Tom at his house, and Tom was going to be able to help him stay in line. The thing I didn't like about it, I don't think even on the just the aspect of giving Antonio Brown the credit of he did the work to make sure that he's in a good mental space, that right. he's good, like. Again, as a grown man, you don't think he did the work. You don't think he did what he needed to do so he could perform on the field. It seems like, you know, from the outside looking in, he pieced everything up with his wife. He fixed things off the field. No more drama. He was off of social media for like a whole year and some change. That's a man doing his part. That's to it. Make sure he stays out of That's trouble. That's my point. And if you notice it, if you pay attention closely to and you hear guys talk about it after the fact, guess who they give all the credit to for all this? Brady. Antonio Brown gets no credit for cleaning up his life or cleaning up his act and staying out of trouble so he can maintain and, and, and stay in his job. Brady gets all the credit. Oh, Brady's such a good leader. Brady's such a good this. Yo, man, listen. There's a lot of reasons why I don't like Tom Brady, a lot of which aren't his fault, okay? It's not his fault that he's privileged in this way. But I really don't like the narratives, bro. Miles laughing, Miles, yo, you tell me I'm wrong, bro. They gave this man all the credit for Antonio cleaning up his own life, yeah, but like, you know is, why? Is Tom is Tom a pastor now or something? What happened? Is Tom you know why? Hey, you know why? hey, Chris, you get the last word on this one. Yeah, <laughs> Greg, you know why? And, and hey, sh- shout out to you because Antonio Brown would probably appreciate you advocating for him. But the, I think the no, reason no, I think Antonio Brown is, is has been I an know, idiot. of course, of course. <laughs> okay. But well, hey, <laughs> he has. He's done some dumb stuff. There's no question. But, but about like it. you he's said, like you said, up. he's he's the one that that turned it around. Yeah. But but the reason that Tom Brady's getting all this credit is because he's the face of the NFL, right? Tom Brady. They call him the goat. They call him the best athlete of all time, which we know isn't true for a best athlete. But at the same time, like. It's kind of like the LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards situation where, hey, the, the writers are going to, you know, they already have it penciled out of, of how they want the narrative to go. You know, Tom Brady, it's Tom Brady at the end of the day. He has what, six, seven, six, how many rings now? <laughs> I'm losing count. Six, six, he has six rings now. And, like, at the end of the day, like, what what's, what's the better story? Antonio Brown, you know, stayed out of trouble with uh, the Buccaneers and turned his life around or, hey, Tom Brady won another ring, you know, and he did it while babysitting Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. I'm saying Antonio Brown, Hall of Famer. Oh, of course, of course, his life around. We, of course, think, we think that. Chris making a great point. Chris is of course, we think point. that. That's that, that's that's normal point. for us to think that. 
but I'm saying from point. a money and revenue perspective, when when you're talking about like there are they're gassing Tom Brady up because they know people love Tom Brady for what he's done to the game. He has it six adds rings to the narrative. So, exactly, this man has won six rings while babysitting Antonio Brown, and which helped him win another ring. Obviously, we know that's not true, but at the same time, it, it's the narrative, man. Yeah, uh, closing up on this one. That's something that's going to take a while. I don't think it ever changes. Really, like, of course, we think the better story is, of course, Antonio Brown coming back from all that he was going through off the field, marital issues, and so forth. That is a great comeback story. But in America, what's an even greater story? Tom Brady did all of that. White savior. Thank you. White Thank savior. You. That's what's going to. That's what Chris is saying, and I agree. That's going to sell more. That's going to get more click, more clickbait. That's gonna, what Antonio Brown stayed at his house the whole season. Wow, right. how did for how free? did Tom do that? It always come back. How was Giselle? How was Giselle okay with that? Giselle, she's what a woman. That's right. the that's the storyline. See, you know what a woman. So <laughs> ask me in the podcast sometimes, yo, hey, why do I always bring up race? This is why because it race right. is embedded right. in everything we talk about. That, 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 if this is a black that, quarterback. If this, if this was uh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick, right? In a, in another world where Michael Vick's like the GOAT, considered the GOAT, are they doing this? Pro- I don't think so, bro. No. I don't think it's not. the same. Okay, so... I, we need I, some more black writers for all you young kids that want to come out here and be, be journalists and whatnot. Facts. We need more of y'all. Narr- narratives matter. More broadcasters, more reporters, more writers. Narratives not matter. Enough. Oh, there are just always get moved, like Jamel Hill and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoever her partner was on that show, Michael Gary Smith. Michael Smith and Michael Smith. Too. Yeah, Michael Smith. Yeah. Champion. Whenever they have Gary, a voice, no, Gary Champion, moved, Michael Smith. Man. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, and, and, and they got moved for speaking their mind. By the way, mm-hmm. like this, this, My, this Michael, Michael Smith mind. left because he felt like he was being censored. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they were censored because they were speaking up during a, a really racially tense time in the in the country. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Hey. And this is why we created Benchmark. We can say whatever we want to say. We don't answer it. We don't answer the ESPN. We don't answer the NBA. We don't answer the NFL Network. Hey, we can do you talk think, about race on here. We can talk about everything on here. Do you think you can go to ESPN right now and have them talk about the narrative between Antonio Brown and Tom Brady and what would happen there? And the white savior complex is clearly at play here? No. no. So in other words, come here for all your sports talk. Stop going to the stuff. Stop listening to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen, yo, stop listening to Stephen A. Smith, please. I, I need to get him up out of here. I know he's a pillow black man, but Stephen A. be on some BS. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not, I'm not going to, we're not going to go into that too much. I'm not trying to start no beef with Stephen A. You know, some beef I would win, but still. <laughs> Transitioning. You mentioned LaMelo. His brother, Lonzo Ball, has been in all the talks for trades. He has been one of the hot players mentioned. Magic Johnson came up to say today and said, Lonzo Ball has the greatest IQ out of all point guards in the NBA right now. Where is the best fit for Lonzo? And if he is traded or if the Pelicans keep him, should Lonzo get paid the $20 million per year that he's seeking? The Knicks. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with the Knicks. I agree with the Knicks. He's worth $20 million a year. He is. Alone. He is worth $20 million a year. He's gonna get, he'll get that money. I don't You're know. You're talking about a four-year $80 million contract? Something like that. You give it to him? Yeah, I'll do it in a heartbeat. And he stayed healthy this year, too. And his injuries yeah. have been pretty minor. His injuries haven't been serious. The, the ankle, it's just been ankle injuries. It's not been anything too crazy. I can invest in that 
knowing that my point guard is going to defend the other team's best perimeter player. He can guard one through three at a high level. He's going to play hard on defense. He's going to make my defense better. He's also going to hit threes at a almost 40% clip. He's His best shooting is ahead of him. He's shooting out shooting. He's out shooting guys like Trey Young and Luka Doncic right now. Um, so he's having a great year. He's gotten better at his weakness. We know he works on his game. He cares about the game. And then you change the whole shot for this. <laughs> right, exactly. And also beyond that, he his best basketball is ahead of him overall offensively because he's his game is being stifled and being and being and being choked out by Van Gundy down in New Orleans. So you know his best basketball is ahead of him. It, Eighty million dollars is a great investment to make. In fact, it's a bargain. Because if he if he continues on the, traje- the trajectory he's on right now and realizes his full talent, he's gonna be worth a hundred. He's gonna be easily worth over hundred M's for a contract. Easy, especially if the cap raises. So yeah, eighty million is a bargain. The best fits for him, in my opinion, the Bulls and the Knicks, two places that need a point guard, um, two places where he can complement other players like a Randall, other players like a Zach Levine and Markinen, and, and who knows how long Markinen will be there. But other guys like that, Kobe White, get them easy looks. Go somewhere we can get guys easy looks. I actually think the Bulls might be a little bit of a better fit. Believe I agree. Not, but the but the Knicks are the sexier pick in the location. And I know he wants to go to the Knicks because you're in New York. It's great for the brand. And you can build from there. And being great, there's there's nowhere else in the league that will do you that you where you'll benefit more, your brand will benefit more than New York in terms of in terms of you being a good player. If you're a good player there, it it takes it just puts you in a different stratosphere. So that's why the Knicks make sense and they're up and coming. I'm sure he wants to go there, but the Bulls make a lot of sense too, playing with the league guys. Hey, there's some players that we know that's not that good, mm-hmm. but they did decent, and they were able to. They brand was able to do well in New York. Shoot, in New York specifically, Knicks and Miles could attest to this. If you play hard in New York, your brand is good. Nate Robinson was not the most that's elite, the efficient thing. player, but he played hard. He was able to get buckets here and there. He was he looked like the average man. Oh, he's five nine. He looked like somebody like me in New York. You look at players like, oh yo, I can actually relate to this person. He's not six five. He's not six six. He's not six seven. He's the average man. He plays hard. Nate Robinson is forever loved in New York. Forever mm-hmm. loved in New York as a Nick. So shoot, go there and play hard. And Lonzo does that. Lonzo easily on this roster, this team, if he goes to New York. Hot take, maybe not hot take. I don't think so. He's top three in assists per game for the year. Definitely. He's their second best player immediately, too. Hot take. I don't know how Nick Sands gonna feel about that. You know, the, the RJ Barrett love has never been more. Yeah. It's never been more. Yo, they, they talking crazy about RJ Barrett right now. They've been talking hot about RJ Barrett right now. Look, you're not better than Lonzo. Don't come to me with that. Don't come to he me. He's not. With- I tell you, he's not. He's definitely not. I'll tell you this, if they get Lonzo, RJ Barrett, definitely give him give a full season. Give a full season with Lonzo, making things easier for him mm-hmm. and spreading the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's not Julius Randle, that's your pseudo point guard. I that's guarantee fair. you we got RJ Barrett in the conversation for most improved play. I, I agree. It would be good for him. It would be good for him. I know I'm talking about him from a who's better than who perspective. I know that it, it just riles Knicks fans that's up. Your favorite, that's your favorite conversation. It riles Knicks fans up. It, yo, man, I've got Knicks fans coming to me talking about R.J. Barrett this, R.J. Barrett that. Let's relax. What, what I will say is that R.J. Barrett is playing very well this year. He's taking a nice jump. But, yes, with Zoe, yeah, like it would it would be it would be really good for him and good for his, great for his development. Oh, man. Flag on the play segment. We got two segments left, y'all. For those that's watching, we got two segments left. 
flag on the play. First one, Cubs prospect Jesus Camargo was caught <laughs> with 21 pounds mm. of meth in the team's equipment bag. Except for the crime. Except because what is it? Is this like Narcos MLB version? I don't I don't get it. Cause what are you doing with that much meth? One and who I would have thought like weed or cocaine, but who carries meth around? Like, are you a trailer park boy or something? I don't, I don't understand it, but yeah, his career might be in jeopardy to say the least. He, he could be facing jail time. It's not looking be. good for him. That's a well, lot yeah, of meth. He, that's a that's lot of distribution. Meth. He get hit with that. <laughs> 21 pounds, bro. 21 pounds of meth. And then you decided to put it in the team's equipment bag. You're going to take the team's gear to pack up your meth. You know the equipment manager the found that, turned that in ASAP. I'm like, yo, I don't know who this is, but I guarantee you it ain't mine. <laughs> it was probably his, too. <laughs> Blame, blamed Jose. <laughs> let's, let's, let's find out there's an underground MLB drug, drug ring where there's a drug lord distributing to all these players in the minor league systems and all that stuff. It wouldn't surprise me. He probably, he probably, yes. you know what I'm saying? That might be, that might be the next baseball next Netflix. is an affluent sport. It's an affluent that might sport. be the the next Netflix movie you see come out. Mm-hmm. Might mm-hmm. be the next one. Ain't like you said, baseball. hey, Miles, Ma- trademark that Narcos MLB. Forget Narcos <laughs> Mexico. Narcos MLB <laughs> might be the new one. Next one. Oh, this is very interesting. Larsa <laughs> Pippen oh, breaks yeah. up. With Malik Beasley and has moved on to somebody else. And Malik Beasley now is making posts about how he misses his son. Accept or decline. This is whose son? This is this is his own son? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or because he left his baby moms to be with Larsa? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except I think, man, is this more slander towards Larsa or or Malik? I don't know which way I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two ways. I feel bad for Larson's son. I feel bad for Scotty. I, I feel bad because man, Scotty, <laughs> Scotty Pippen too. But Scotty Pippen knew knew what was going on when when he got up out of there. But the son, like he in college, he got people coming on his Instagram posts, coming crazy talking about your mom this, your mom that. It, yo, she, she got to slow down. She be hanging around with those Kardashians, Kim K, her best friend. Like she really got to calm calm all that down, and because she be moving way way too fast. Now Malik Beasley, don't be talking about you. Miss, you miss your son after. Hey, it's cool for you to miss your son, but like, don't leave your baby moms. Forget about your son because you got this supermodel type type girlfriend, and then it don't work out. And now you want to come back home and, and play daddy. You know that, that's just not a not a not a good look. But uh, yeah, man, these these celebrities be moving way too fast, and they be they be forgetting about uh real relationships that they built before they were celebrities. I, I put 100% of the blame on Malik Beasley. You know why? Because it's already been established what Larsa Pippen be, be doing in these streets. Yep. All right? Period. That's it. I don't got to say nothing else. I don't got to disparage her in any way. We already know what she's about. We know what the reports are. That's fine. It's cool. Malik walked right into this trap, <laughs> and then he going to be mad when it pulls up in his face. I remember talking about this with my brothers when we first found out about this all happening and him leaving his baby moms and then... And, and, and being with Larsa and him beefing with Scotty, disrespecting Scotty, right? In the midst of this all. And I was just like, this is gonna blow up in his face. He's not gonna end up with her. It's not gonna be successful because this is how this goes. And he's gonna be the one looking like an idiot at the end of the day. And 
There you go. He does. Hey, big, bigger story here. Malik, Malik Beasley is actually very good at basketball. No one talks about him for basketball reasons because, he, you know, when he's not getting into trouble with the law or or over here dating NBA legend wives. Are they divorced? Like, are they even divorced, yo? Do we know the logistics there? Mm-mm. They're not divorced, yo? They're not divorced, but they live they live separate lives because she would take them for a lot of money. Hey, listen, bro. On so he lacks he he lacks principle. He's a kid. He's still trying to figure it out. He thinks he has it all figured out. I, I, it's really sad. It's it's really a sad thing. I, I'm I'm really disappointed because Malik Beasley is really good at basketball. We should be talking about him for how talented he is in the basketball court. Instead, we're talking about him because he's getting taken for a ride by Larsa Pippen and over here leaving his baby moms. Like, and then obviously the again he got he got hold up held up on gun charges. So it's got bigger issues than Larsa Pippen. I'm, I'm you know okay yeah and for for scotty it's tough like you said him his son yo yo his son be getting violated on the ground by by just these trolls man it's, it's not right maybe <laughs> facts man and if you ain't no punk holler we want green up we want green up yeah <laughs> yeah scotty that's you something that you need to have because when she leaves <laughs> she, she gonna, gonna leave with half Separate laws. <laughs> and Chris, you so eloquently definitely set up. You just threw me an a alley oop to transition to the oh, next hey, that. flag on the play. Dunk that. Oh, Drake plans to date Kim Kardashian. Except where you hear that at? Hold on. Except, except. I, I need I need a source. Oh, he's, he's plugged in with Canada. <laughs> sources are saying it's rumored it's rumored on black sports online and different websites that it's believed just really out of revenge for the push a t diss situation he wants to date kim kardashian who was trying to move slow because the divorce is not finalized hey i man i thought she was trying to get with van jones i don't know what to believe but but at the same time, I, I, <laughs> she over here working on reforming all these projects. I, I, I will say this: look, look, Drake, do do what you gotta do, do what you gotta do. But but don't slander your name by by dating her. You know, if if you want to go, you know, drive in Mahalan Drive and uh, go ahead and pull up, made a right at the light. You want to go ahead and knock on some doors and and do what you gotta do late night. Go ahead and go ahead and handle your business, but to say that's my girl, nah, don't do that to yourself. Don't don't do that to yourself. I don't um, think he would do it. I don't think he would do it. I think he would just for the pettiness, like Drake. Uh, people don't realize yeah. how petty petty Drake Yo, is. Petty so King. He would. Petty. He would. So he would petty. just. He'll let this rumor ride out, even though he might not even want to mess with her, but. He'll spread it around like, yeah, you know, I could I could get that if I wanted to. Just to mess with Kanye's head, as if he hasn't already been messed with enough. But yeah, I could I could see him throwing a little, you know, a certified lover boy, throwing a little uh subliminal text here, you know, subliminal lines. I can see him do it just to be petty and nothing come from mm-hmm. it, but just just to have, like you said, Kanye thinking like, oh, is that what's going on? Because that's 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 Drake. That's Drake for you. He can get away with it. It's true. Last segment. LeBron is injured. 
said he's going to be out for several weeks. Who needs to step up for the Lakers? And even a more important discussion with him and Embiid out. Who is number one in your MVP race? Are we putting Giannis back in the discussion now? Oh, unfortunately. That's so annoying, yo. I think if he wins it for a straight year, I think it's by default because of the injuries of the two top people of Embiid and LeBron. And even if LeBron comes back in two weeks, that's a lot of games missed. As we mentioned earlier in an earlier segment, the writers are gonna they're gonna dock LeBron for missing games, they're gonna dock Embiid for missing games. Of course, top of the list, I think is Harden. He hasn't really missed any games, but yep. a name that's coming back up in the conversation. Now is Giannis and another name where it might be a possibility, Dane, and another name which we've talked about on the show. Nikola Jokic is in the conversation also now, even the more with these two injuries. Hey man, you're gonna give Greg a heart attack. Is the, the, the only go so we can consider Giannis an MVP candidate, but we can't consider Dame an MVP candidate when Dame's in the tougher conference. Can't that team a full without his without his number two guy? And they're now they're 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 winning now. They're, they haven't they haven't gone through any substantial losing streaks or anything like that. They're playing really good basketball. They're playing well, and he's not the number one guy. And I'm, I'm I I know you asked for my opinion, but I know the narrators out there already. The narrative out there is yes, Giannis is creeping back into it. Why? I don't know. You know look, it is the same thing to do every year. There is no difference between Giannis' performance now and then last year. I know he he closed the door against the Sixers and sat on the court. And then acted all tough and stuff after he made a after he made a step back jump shot where he the boy the ball hit his hit his armpit and he had to clutch it all weird and then put it up. Look, I'm not a Giannis hater. I just I just think he's overrated. I really do. Um, but that being said, it should be Dame um, in the lead for that MVP spot. Like I said, I've made the case for a million times on the show. Y'all don't need to hear it again. He's, he held that team down without CJ. He's played at a higher level than damn, damn near anybody in the league. Since this since the season started, right? He's been right on there on par with LeBron. I've always thought it was a LeBron versus Dame conversation. And I thought it was like LeBron, Dame, Joel. And you could be interchangeable with it, have your opinion, but I think those are the three two top three guys. So now that those two guys are hurt, Joel and LeBron, Dame steps right in and, and he's he can run that conversation. That's why that's how I feel about it. But you know, that's not what the media is talking about. It's talking about inserting Giannis. And then Giannis is ever strong MVP case than Harden does, in my opinion. Harden I was going to say the same thing. We, we got to yeah. have Harden. We got to have Harden ahead of Giannis because everything that he's done from since getting to to Brooklyn. Yeah, and and exactly it. And he's been playing without KD and playing without Kyrie, and he's held that team down. And tonight he's going to go into Portland and he's going to give them all he can handle without KD and Kyrie because Kyrie is Kyrie's birthday. You got to go. He want to go celebrate. It's okay, Kyrie. Hey, Kyrie, take the time, bro. Happy birthday, bro. Family happy matter. Birthday. Happy, Family happy, matter is what happy they birthday, got today. You don't know what's about his birthday, bro. It's fine. Listen, I don't listen. I don't care. We know he's gonna come back average thirty five though. There so you go. It's all good. Listen, Kyrie, it's all I'm good, good with it, man. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment good. of riches on the side. I'm like good we with said, James is the one holding it down, just like Dame held it down when when CJ so, was out. So James hey. and Dame have a stronger MVP case than Giannis do, in my opinion. And with mentioning it, with mentioning Dame, you are also gonna mention CJ has been out, but Nurkic's been out this whole season. His yep. big man right there. But back to the top of the question for the Lakers, right? What does this mean for them, LeBron being out? Do you think they're able to stay afloat? Are they going to see players like THT, Kuzma step up? How do you think the Lakers handle this? Should LeBron even come back? Just get into the playoffs. I, listen, I'm scared. 
they're they're losing right now against the Pelicans. How many how how many games they're gonna lose? Can they even figure out how to survive without this team? Wasn't made to survive without LeBron and AD. Like what what are they gonna do for the next few weeks? Because it is gonna be closer to a month. I know LeBron is is made out of vibranium. We'll come back. He can come back sooner. But <laughs> and and I don't think he can afford to rest with this team. All right, I don't think he can he can afford to rest with this team. So. I'm worried. I think they're going to make a big move. They're shopping KCP. They're shopping Montrez. They're shopping these guys. They're shopping THT a little bit. Like, they're trying and to – And then they're going to be sick, too, if they get traded. Oh, you won't be – they'll be sick. Well, if I get, I'll be sick of it, who gets traded. THT? Uh, uh, yeah, if I'm Trails, if I'm uh, – Oh, you're saying they'll be sick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they don't, they no, one wants to leave. no one wants to leave La La Land and go to Charlotte or something. All right? I, mean, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, then they have to try to find a suitor who is willing to – I think an old depot trade would be awesome if they could pull it off. They need to get a third star. They need to sacrifice some of their depth to get a third star. Um, that's why because this is this is why. I mean, you got two guys. LeBron, LeBron's injury was a freaking incident. LeBron is still durable. He's still he's still that dude. But the media is running with it and saying he, the injury happened because of age. They're running with that. I don't know if anyone's noticed it, but they're saying, oh, he's getting older. Yada yada yada. It's his second big injury. It's the second injury of his career by the way, the second substantial injury of his career. And this was a, and this was a dirty play. It was a dirty play by Solomon Hill. I don't think he did it on purpose, but you play, we all played in the basketball North. The guy's diving near your legs, regardless of whether they're not going to That's dangerous. That's a dangerous play. You don't do that. It's just an unwritten rule. There are unwritten rules in basketball too. We talk about it in baseball. There are unwritten rules in basketball. That's one of them. And Solomon Hill broke that rule by diving even if it was for the ball, because you're near this guy's legs. That's how he makes his money, right? Period. That's the way it works. But, um, no, I mean, it's not about age. I want to dispel that myth right now. LeBron is still extremely durable. He's still, like I said, made out of vibranium. Um, but we'll see. I, I do think they have to trade for a third star. I don't know if they have the assets to do it. I would put Kuzma on the block right now, without, without a doubt. I put Kuzma, I put THC on the block. I try to get a third star. All the people's out there, they don't even need – DeRozan's out there. They don't need yeah, a star. I was about to say, star. DeRozan. Go get DeRozan. Go get DeRozan. Have him come hold y'all down. That's it. And try to give him KCP in the process. Keep some of your, your vital pieces. And let's talk about Wesley Matthews. He sucks. What is wrong with him? Why is he so bad? What's going on? <laughs> what, what, is, what is going on, bro? What's with all these three-point specialists coming to the Lakers and just being horrible? Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> to handle it. So, I, it's really been sad. I, we thought West Smith was going to be a good addition. We talked about him when it's before the season started. He's been god-awful since the year started. But, um, uh, nah, trade for a third star. <laughs> <That's my record. laughs> yeah, you got to go ahead and clip that, man. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a great sound bite. He said, and what's going on with Wesley Matthews? He sucks. <laughs> hey, mom. For oh. the Lakers, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. Do they – can the Lakers actually – let's say, because, again, they're losing to the Pelicans right now, who isn't the best of teams. If the Lakers end up in between sixth seed and eighth seed, will they still be able to win the championship? Playoffs, you got healthy well, AD. Yeah. Playoffs, you got healthy AD, healthy LeBron. doesn't matter what seed they are. And Drummond, by the way, who might be who's probably coming. No, it doesn't matter what seed they are. If you get LeBron and you get AD back healthy, you're basically a one seed. Just, you know, circumstances saw it otherwise. But that team is 
elite when these guys are healthy. It's just they're a little banged up right now, so they need to make a move. That's right. That's why the trade deadline in a couple of days is coming up, and you're hearing all these names floating around: KCP, Montrez. They need to go get a like Greg said. You need to get a third star. I like Demar as that third star because I don't think you're going to have to trade that much. He's on his last year of his deal going into free agency. Same thing with Vic. You don't have to trade as much. They might ask for a little bit, like, you know, a, a Lakers tax, but you're, you're trying to fit everything into Bron's window. So his championship window. So whatever you have to do to keep that window wide open, which, I mean, what Brooklyn's doing over there might have, you know, made it shrink a little bit, make it, make it seem like it's a little, it's a little tight that window. So we'll see what they do. Let's see if they, it's not an overreaction to make a move right now, but they got to do something because this team's not that good without LeBron or AD, which is showing the flaws that that huge trade they made. They had to trade so many pieces that left them a little bare on the bench. You know, they got Dennis Smith, uh, Dennis Smith, Dennis Schroeder, who he needs to step up. They got Kuzma, who everybody's always asking him to step up. And you got Montrez, who, I mean, this is the first year of his deal. We need him to st step up a little bit, too. So, I mean, guys are just going to have to step up. But a trade seems like the more likely candidate to happen because, like they said, they're losing to the Pelicans by 20 right now. They're not even in playoff contention. So something's got to give. Yep. We'll see what happens. Trade deadline is in two days. Thursday, we expect to see a lot of trades happen. Uh, the buyout market, I think, is going to be huge for the Lakers, the Nets. Milwaukee is in that conversation. They got P.J. Tucker. Um, I think that's a nice piece. I don't know if it pushes the needle where they're going to be messing with Brooklyn, but all these teams are definitely going to be a part of the trade deadline and a part of that buyout market in Miami. Miami's big in that, too. Uh, I'm picking DeMar. I like DeMar more over uh, Oladipo. DeMar DeRozan, he doesn't – what you've seen, what he's done with the Spurs, he doesn't really need the ball. Um, he's averaging since he's came to San Antonio, he averages around seven to eight assists. So he's changed his game. His game has got deeper. Looking at the game now, we'll close off the show with this. 52 to seven, the Lakers have a total of 12 assists. Nobody has over two assists that should be having it. Kyle Kuzma is leading the team with six assists, but only three points. Half of the assist is with Kyle Kuzma. The team doesn't have anybody that could create for anybody else outside of really LeBron. Nobody can get their own bucket, really. They need that third star, and they need to get Drummond in the buyout market. And then I think you'll see a very, 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 very interesting final series between them and the Nets. But y'all know the vibes, bench mob. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. We out. Peace. Peace.